Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. In this episode, we have a lot to talk about. Google has done maybe another uh, two updates in the last couple of weeks or so that we think are significant enough for us to talk about. I'm just going to briefly touch on those in this episode, and we'll probably have more for you on weeks to come. Uh, we're going to announce a new sponsor for podcast, which is something exciting to me. might not be terribly exciting to you, but uh, we're going to give you some really good info from uh, our new sponsor, our first sponsor uh, for this podcast. It's a, it's a great, exciting thing for me to see uh, this take off uh, like it has been. Thank you. If, you're, if you've been a podcast listener for a while, I can't tell you how much I greatly appreciate you. Uh, you help me to stay on top of the news every week, and uh, that is just a fantastic thing for everybody, right? Um, we're going to talk in this episode on new information from Google on how the quality of the comments on your website can potentially impact your ability to rank. Um, Google gave us some new information on manual actions and how they're handled a little bit differently now than they used to be, so I'll give you my thoughts on that. And we've got a few things to talk about in terms of local SEO. Uh, we have some excellent Q&A uh, coming up at the end of this session, some great questions about um, whether to start a brand new website or to uh, work on a, an existing website that's actually ranking well, um, and some other questions as well, so hopefully we'll have time to get to those. So let's start talking about algorithm updates. Um, you know, every week we look at what Google has done. Uh, we look at all of our clients that we have. We look at uh, what Barry Schwartz is reporting on Search Engine Roundtable, uh, the chatter that we're seeing in forums. And uh, I'll tell you that there's been a fair amount of chatter recently um, surrounding July 21st and July 27th as well, uh, give or take a few days either side. What we're seeing is that uh, we have quite a few sites in our profile that we monitor that um, are seeing changes in Google traffic around this time and not changes in other search engines. And so that usually gives us an idea that Google has changed something in their algorithms. Um, July 21st seems to be the biggest of these. We had quite a, a significant percentage of sites that we monitor uh, that saw changes in their traffic projections. Um, at this point, and this is a very, very early look, what it looks like is some of the medical sites that uh, we have been contracted in the past to review had seen changes. Uh, a good number of our clients have seen improvements, uh, slight improvements at this time. We do have a couple of medical sites, though, that are seeing some declines as well. Um, so I don't think that this update was completely about medical sites. It probably was something where Google just made some tweaks to uh, how they assess quality. Um, also, July 27th, there were quite a few sites. And I'll tell you, we had more clients up on July 27th than we did on July 21st. And we had a few clients with significant increases on July 27th. Now, at the time I'm recording this, it's August 5th. We've had, you know, maybe a week since that update. It's not a lot of time for us to actually uh, analyze what's happened. So we're going to keep an eye on this for you. If you are a paid member of our newsletter, then... Uh, um, next week, you'll see uh, my in-depth analysis of what we think has happened in July in terms of Google's algorithm updates. Um, you, as always, you can find the newsletter at mariehaines.com newsletter. And everything that I talk about here should be in newsletter, and there is a lot more in newsletter as well that uh, we realized. Initially, I was trying to cover everything that we published in newsletter in uh, this podcast episode, and what was happening was that it was getting longer and longer. I think the last episode that I did that in, it was like an hour and 10 minutes or something like that, which is way too long for any of you to be listening to me ramble on about SEO. So um, again, uh, you may find that there's extra information in the um, online version of newsletter on this. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the latest episode of Search Off the Record. This is Gary Ish and John Mueller and Martin Split having a discussion about search. And um, some, you know, some of this discussion was absolutely fantastic. Uh, there's a lot of playful banter in the uh, in the talk, uh, which you know it's interesting stuff, but probably not something that you want to be spending your workday, uh, you know, emphasizing, <laughs> uh, listening to this. Um, but I'll tell you some things that I pulled out of this because uh, they did publish the transcript as well, uh, and I did tweet. If you follow me on Twitter, Marie underscore Haynes, uh, you'll see I've tweeted uh, my thoughts on these comments. Um, one of the 
things was about actually having comments on your website. So John Mueller uh, said, should sites block comments from being shown or should they get them indexed? Now, um, many of you who are listening to this podcast episode, you have a website that has comments. And, um, you, you know, do you want to have those comments indexed? And I think it's common sense to say, well, if those comments add to the value of the page, then yeah, you want to have them in Google's index. You want to be able to make it so that Google can say, look, like there's not only just this great content on the page, but in the comments section, there are things that people can learn from the comments section. So Gary Ish answered John's question here. And he said, uh, I mean, it depends on the comments, right? He said, you can have comments that are super useful and work having them in the index and having them helps you rank for certain things a little at least. So that's really interesting, right? That um, having comments on your website can help you rank. These are Gary's words, a little at least. Now, Gary has said in the past, and we included this in newsletter, I wanna say like two years ago, uh, it's been a little while, that uh, it was a conversation he was having on Twitter with Jennifer Slag. And um, the question was about comments and whether they were a ranking factor. And I'm going to paraphrase here because I don't have this right in front of me. But what Gary said was that um, if you applied a score to things on a very basic level and said that, you know, great content was a five on the ranking score and, you know, maybe having great links was a four uh, on this score, then having great comments could be a one or a two. Now, that sounds like, oh, okay, the comments are kind of insignificant in terms of quality in Google's eyes. Uh, but what I get from that is there actually is some significance. It may not be as much as actually getting good links to your content or having fantastic content to, to start with. But uh, you really need to be paying attention to what's in the comments on your pages. Um, he went on to say that, uh, you know, Google... Um, can put different importance on uh, these this content depending on where they see it on your page. And so sometimes stuff that's in the comments section, Google may say, well, that's lower down on the page. It's probably not as important as other information on the page. Uh, here's what Gary said, though. I think I've said this before, but depending on where the content is on the page, it might weigh less than, for example, content that's in the centerpiece. Like for example, if we can detect that the meaty part of the content is in the middle between these sections, then very likely that will be the pooling of content for your ranking. Meaning that that will help you the most with top topicality, that's a weird word, uh, with relevancy, I guess. And if we detect that something's outside of that boundary, then we'll weigh it less and it'll help you less with rankings. Um, this is important for a few reasons. Again, I mean, comments can be helpful for your rankings, but Google can recognize if they're the main content or not. Now, this is my thought. This is not something that Gary said, uh, but I think this um, is really important for sites like Search Engine Roundtable. I've talked about this before, and I know Barry Schwartz would be fine with me saying this, that um, Barry will have many, many posts that are very short in nature, and then the post will be followed with sometimes hundreds of comments. And sometimes the meat is in the comments section. If I'm looking at an algorithm update and I'm trying to decide, uh, was there really an update or was it maybe just Mozcast and SEMrush sensor were slightly off or were affected by maybe some SERP change that Google made that looked like it was an update, but maybe it wasn't. Um, then what I'll do is I'll look at Barry's posts and I'll look at the comments section. And if I see there's, you know, oh gosh, there's 30 people here who are complaining that they lost uh, rankings, um, then I can get some information from that. The comments in that case are very, very important. And I think it's important to pay attention to what Gary called the meaty part of the content comments. Um, in newsletter, we go into more detail about something that Bill Swalski tweeted this week about page rank and how people often get the um, uh, the reasonable surfer uh, patent uh, wrong. I'm not about to set out to, to try to explain that, um, but the, the confusion this week was that a lot of people are saying, look, if a link is higher up on the page, it passes more page rank than a link that's lower down on the page. Uh, and that's not really reflected in the reasonable surfer patent as far as I can understand Bill's words, but yet, if content is higher up on the page, it can sometimes uh, reflect that this is more important. Um, and so we think that if links are in, and I love Gary's words here, the meaty 
part of the page. Um, the part of the page that has the great amount of content. Uh, we are the most relevant amount of content. Maybe that's a way to put it. We really do feel that um, links in that area could be more valuable. Uh, that Google can find certain parts of a page and say, you know, uh, this section of the page maybe isn't that helpful to people, but this section right here really is. Um, and we don't know how much Google segments things like that. Uh, but having the meat of your content, um, making it really clear, that's something that's in the quality raters guidelines, is uh, to make it very obvious which parts of your page are um, the most important. Uh, because a lot of websites don't do that well. The other thing that we thought was really interesting from uh, this discussion on comments is that if you have comments that are uh, adult in nature um, and it doesn't really line up with the content on your website, so let's say, uh, well, you know what, I'll read Gary's words rather than me trying to explain it. He says, if there's, there's a corner case, uh, let's see here. For example, F-bombs, people drop in the comments, and how R-rated the comments are. Um, because if you're writing about cookies, for example, lemon cookies, there are a few thousand comments before your recipe, and all of them are R-rated, then that might easily confuse our safe search algorithms. Um, and so most of you probably understand what safe search is from Google, that... Um, if Google detects that there's a lot of adult content on your page, uh, it can be so that that content doesn't rank at all in Google. And um, that's uh, something to pay close attention to. If you have pages that have dropped out of the search results, it may be that Google has detected that you have a comment section that's absolutely loaded with junk, with spam, with curse words, uh, with adult content that people, your regular readers, would not want to see. Uh, so pay attention to that. You really, really want to note that Google can see your comments uh, and that you're moderating your comments and that uh, they truly are helpful to people. Um, it's hard though. I mean, we've all got a lot of work on, uh, I know what we've got comments waiting on our uh, posts that I probably should have paid attention to a long time ago, uh, time ago, but there's only so much that you can do in a day. I would say though, if you do get a lot of comments, you really need to pay attention to this. Um, as we mentioned at the top of the episode, we have a new sponsor. Um, we really debated a while as to whether or not to take on a sponsor. And uh, Samrush reached out to us and said, we would love to sponsor Search News You Can Use. Uh, and we debated on this because we don't want to be selling out as, you know, if you have a product that uh, you would like us to pitch, I, we're not going to do it. <laughs> uh, unless it's a product that we use on a regular basis. And so SEMrush is something that I do use, my team uses uh, every single day. Uh, we use it repeatedly and it's one of the most valuable tools uh, that we have used. And I'm not just saying that because SEMrush has now sponsored us um, and is, is paying for this because uh, this is something that we do on a regular basis. So we tried to think of something we could do where we could add a sponsorship opportunity, um, but make it something that uh, our listeners and our readers would find interesting. And so what we're going to do is every week we're going to try to share a little bit about how we've used SEMrush uh, to further our investigation, our analysis, uh, how we've basically used it in terms of SEO. Um, so this week I wanted to tell you a little bit about um, uh, some investigation we did into Pinterest. Uh, Lily Ray on Twitter had tweeted that, uh, let's see, she tweeted, I've shared that various Pinterest uh, TLDs are seeing a big SEO visibility uh, increase in the U.S. And uh, she also said the same is true of Amazon, which we've talked about more in newsletter. Um, but the note that she was trying to make here is that Pinterest saw very big increases after the May core Google update. Now we wrote about this update, you can find it, it's very easy to find on a Google search, our article on uh, what we think Google changed with this May core update. And one of the things that we really noticed was uh, that it really seems like in this case, Google was aiming for relevancy. And I think that they found ways to measure relevancy um, in different ways. So the situation with Pinterest, as we analyzed it on SEMrush, really made sense to us. Um, so one of the things that you can do on SEMrush, and there are screenshots of this in newsletter, uh, mariehaines.com slash newsletter, episode number 144, uh, if you want to see the screenshots. It's very easy to see traffic trends uh, for a website. Um, and so we put Pinterest.com into SEMrush, and and uh, could see that um, on May 4th, 
the, which is the day of the Google update, the Google Core update, that traffic uh, started to increase at that time and then continued to go on an upward trend. Um, and so one of the things that we've noticed is that SEMrush traffic analytics, they don't exactly mirror what you're gonna see in Google Analytics. If you look at one of, uh, for example, if I look at one of my own sites, I can see dates where, uh, oh, our Google traffic went up from, uh, let's say, 10,000 visitors a day to 12,000 visitors a day. Um, SEMrush might not get the numbers exactly right, uh, but they get the patterns right. And so while SEMrush's numbers might say uh, it was an increase of 12,000 to 15,000, uh, you know, and they're maybe not quite right on that, we can still see the increase. And the reason for that is that SEMrush doesn't have access to your Google Analytics data. They don't have access to exactly who is coming to visit every single website on the web. Um, but the way that they measure it does seem to line up in the vast majority of cases what, with what we're seeing in Google Analytics in terms of trends. So one of the things that we'll often do is uh, when we're doing competitive research is we'll put in a competitor into SEMrush and uh, we'll see, oh yeah, yeah, it looks like their traffic went up with this core update or it went down with a particular update. Um, and for sites where competitors have seen nice increases and maybe the client that we're working on did not see increases, we look at which pages were increased, which keywords had increased. And then we try to make comparisons to say, well, it looks like Google uh, is preferring this type of website now. Um, and in the past, we could usually blanket it, like we could say, oh yeah, yeah, all the websites that we marked as having issues with this particular type of link uh, tactic, link building tactic, seem to have taken a hit. Um, or we would say, oh, all these sites that we had uh, put in our bucket of clients that had issues with thin content, we would see that the vast majority of those were having issues with a particular update. And recent updates, I'd say in the last year, maybe a little bit more, have been much harder to figure out. Uh, and you can't just say, oh, it looks like Google is valuing medical sites. Uh, an exception though would be the June 23rd update where we said it looks like Google is greatly preferring authoritative websites, government websites, uh, but that doesn't happen with a lot of core updates uh, these days. So when we looked at Pinterest.com on SEMrush, the next thing we did is we looked at the section in SEMrush that tells you about position changes. And so I can set the date back and say, all right, back in May of 2020, show me, um, traffic keywords that have increased into top five positions um, that have an estimated amount of traffic of more than 50,000 visitors. I believe that's per month. Uh, and you can change that number as well. And so we did that just briefly looking at Pinterest uh, to see that the keywords that they had seen improvements for with the May core update were very varied. It wasn't like it was just medical keywords or uh, financial keywords or something where we could say, ah, it looks like Google is now rewarding this type of content or Google made changes in their algorithms to make it so that this type of content is better assessed. It was really across the board. Um, some of the keywords that they saw uh, great improvements for rankings for were things like funny memes or uh, easy drawings or one that we investigated was boys' haircuts. Now, if you look at um, uh, boys' haircuts, for an example, that's a search term that probably has changed um, in the eyes of the pandemic. Uh, because a lot of parents are at home uh, not wanting to take their kids to, um, to a hairdresser, right? And so uh, I would imagine that there's a lot of parents that are doing searches for like, how do I cut my kid's hair? Now, the phrase boys haircuts, if somebody types that into Google, I think it would be fairly clear that what they're looking for is examples of boys haircuts. And if you look, um, so SEMrush will allow you to show the uh, historical rankings. Um, you can only do this if you have a guru plan, which uh, in a second I'm gonna give you a code where you can try it out for a month if you wanna do that. 
Um, the Guru plan will let you see historical rankings and actually screenshots of the SERPs. And so we could see that prior to the May core update, um, there was a site, and I don't have the name in front of me now, I think it was like menshairstyles.com or something, that was ranking number one for the phrase boys' haircuts. And if you look at this page, we've linked to it from newsletter, um, if you look at this page, as an SEO, I would say this is a really good page. It has like 50 examples that people can look at for different boys' hairstyles. Um, it has some writing in between the images because we all know that search engines are much better at the suffering text than they are images. Um, and it, you know, it has a lot of things that tick all the boxes in terms of SEO. Um, but then after the Maycore update, we could see that Pinterest was now ranking number one for this. And the Pinterest page didn't have much text on it. It had more images. Uh, it had images that weren't exactly boys' haircuts, like it was, you know, grown men with man buns or something, things that you wouldn't put on your eight-year-old. Um, well, I don't know, maybe you would, I wouldn't. Uh, but um, we, we were seeing that Pinterest was not as well optimized as the men's hairstyle site that previously ranked number one. However, I would bet that most people who are doing this search clicked on the Pinterest result as opposed to the men's hairstyle. Even though as an SEO, it looks like the men's hairstyle site is better optimized, the Pinterest site just, it, it answers people's needs. Um, it, it answers the questions that they have. And, you know, we don't know what it is. It, it's not like Google has said, all right, we're going to write something in the algorithm that when people search for hairstyles, we want to show them uh, pictures uh, from multiple angles as opposed to, the, like, it's not like that. Google is just finding ways to figure out that for this particular query, um, the page on Pinterest is better. And so, uh, you know, there's, there's, what can we gain from this? I'll tell you the Maycore update I really do feel is about relevancy in ways that it's hard to explain, in ways that, um, uh, that again, as an SEO, it, it, we would look at a page and go, well, I don't understand why this is ranking well, but if you took, uh, let's say, 100 non-SEOs and put them in a room and said, which of these results would you click on, they would probably choose the one that Google eventually ended up ranking higher. So um, that's just a very brief look at uh, what we did with SEMrush this week um, to look at uh, some differences in, in rankings. Uh, I'm going to get better at figuring out uh, which part of some rush to share with you each week and hopefully do it in a way that doesn't sound like a, a big ad um, but rather helps you to improve your um uh, your SEO as well. If you are not a member of SEMrush, you can use a lot of SEMrush's features for free. Um, the historical information that I shared with you uh, just now is um, something that you can only get if you are on SEMrush's Guru plan. And SEMrush has given us a link that uh, we can give out to you to use for a one-month free trial. You can go to mariehaines.com slash SEMrush, S-E-M-R-U-S-H, and uh, there should be a way to get a one-month free trial of Guru. Uh, for that. So hopefully you enjoy that because we seriously do use it a whole lot. Um, moving on, Google gave us more information on how they handle manual actions these days. And uh, I found this very, very interesting because uh, most of you who've been listening to me for a while probably know that I got my start in SEO dealing with manual actions, primarily manual actions for unnatural links. And um, over the years, Google has given fewer and fewer of these penalties out. Uh, we still get requests. We, we had several this week. Um, of uh, clients that had said they'd received a manual action, although I think some of them were old manual actions. Often the requests that we get for help are uh, uh, businesses that have worked with multiple SEO companies and uh, just can't get their manual action lifted. And the thing is, there's so much written about uh, manual actions and how to remove them, and much of it is written about uh, is written by me. I, I wrote every time I learned something about here's how this worked. You know, we tried this tactic and we got the penalty removed. I would write about that, and um, one of the things uh, that we've noticed is that manual actions are different now. Like we. Back in the day, we would get manual actions for websites that had severely abused um, things like low-quality directories. Uh, I remember like shifting through, we would have to click on link after link of, oh, this is a low-quality directory. This is, oh, freepagerank.com. Oh, uh, best links for your website directory.com. Like, 
people were using this type of thing and that would get them a manual action. Um, and now we don't see that. And the reason for that is that Google can handle those types of links algorithmically. We have some stuff in newsletter, uh, another quote from John Mueller where he was talking about how, uh, how Google has gotten much, much better over the years at determining which links actually are recommendations for your content. And so things like spammy directories that will link out to every site on the web or forum signatures where somebody discovers like, oh, this forum is a page rank six and they're, uh, you know, if you put a, a link in your signature, you can get a PR six link. Come on, that's amazing, right? Google's figured out that links from foreign signatures really aren't votes for your content. Um, and so this is what John Mueller was saying in a Google Help Hangout and Barry Schwartz surfaced this. Uh, let's see, he said, a lot of these manual actions have evolved over time where we would say, well, we need to do this manually, and at some point we figure out how to do it algorithmically. Uh, he added, it makes sense to find thing, ways to do it algorithmically rather than just purely manual. Um, if you get a manual action from the web spam team, it does mean that somebody has reviewed your site. And usually when you get a manual action, what it means is that you're using, uh, let's say it's for links, well, that, just to make it easier. You're using link tactics that are working to improve rankings, but for whatever reason, Google's not able to demote those links algorithmically. And we find this really interesting because um, I'll see these waves of, you know, for a while, uh, all of our manual actions were, like I said, low quality spammy links. And there was a period of time where we had a whole bunch of manual actions for sites that uh, had overused widget links. Um, lately, the majority of manual actions that we've been receiving are for sites that have done content marketing on a crazy big scale. Uh, and these are really challenging because we have websites where uh, their primary mode of link building for many years has been uh, to write content and get it published somewhere with a link pointing back to their website. And some of you might argue, well, that's totally natural because the website that published those articles uh, you know, they made an editorial choice whether to include that link. But in reality, if you can get hundreds or in some cases thousands of websites to publish your content with a link back to you, uh, they're probably not using editorial choice. They're probably websites that exist for the main purpose of selling links. Um, and so Google's getting better at determining this type of thing. So we thought it was interesting that John was saying uh, Google's giving out, well, he didn't actually say Google's giving fewer manual actions, but what he said was that Google is getting better at figuring out algorithmically how to handle these things. Um, let's see here, local SEO, a few little things to, uh, to add. Go there are some new attributes in Google My Business. Uh, if you ha have a black-owned business, that can be an attribute that you can use now, similar to uh, veteran-led or woman-owned. Uh, I don't even know if I have woman-owned as an attribute on my GMB. I probably should. I, I have not paid a lot of attention to this. I, you know, I want to be known as uh, uh, not a woman who's good at SEO, but like a damn good SEO. <laughs> um, and and uh, I think there's still good reasons, though, to put woman-owned uh, on your GMB. But, um, so these are attributes that you can add. And uh, uh, if you didn't know that, now you do. Um, and there's been a lot of discussion this week on um, Google My Business, uh, what's it called now? Local service ads, where uh, somebody surfaced this thing where for $50 a month, you can get a badge that says that you're Google guaranteed. And this is not a new thing. This has been going on for a little while, but it seems like Google is testing, expanding this to um, multiple different industries. So the Google guarantee badge, it's not new. It's currently available for businesses that pass the screening and the qualification process. Um, via Google local services, and it's still kind of unclear which businesses are eligible. So the concern here is that it sounds like this is the start of sort of pay to play on Google My Business, where, you know, we could rank, uh, I mean, we don't do a lot of local SEO now. Uh, I used to, and I still have some legacy clients that, uh, you know, we, we got going on uh, local SEO many years ago. Um, but we have, uh, you know, some local clients that, okay, they're, they're in the maps listing and um, now we've paid for uh, Google ads as well. And sometimes you can get, you can get a double listing in the maps listing 
Um, although it's been a while since I checked that, so don't don't quote me on that. But you can you can get visibility by paying for Google ads. Um, and then when this comes out, you know, my first instinct uh, was to say, you know what, we should probably do this for 50 bucks a month if Google is promoting us to the top of the local results, saying that we're verified. Like, why not do it? Provided that uh, you know you make enough business from it. Um, but a lot of SEOs are not happy about this because. Uh, really, it should be it shouldn't be the people who paid the most who get the top listing, but that's the way it is, right? Um, so the important thing to know here is that this is still very much in the testing phase, and um, something that uh, uh, let's see here it was Steph Newton from Bright Local who who wrote this great article that we've linked to um, from newsletter, saying that uh, it's very important to know that Google's just testing this right now. We don't know if it's going to become a real thing, but it's something to pay attention. Let's move on to some Q&A. We had two fantastic questions uh, asked this week. They're kind of longer questions, but I really feel like the answer will help a lot of people. So um, so let's uh, give it a shot here and see uh, if I can give my thoughts on these questions. Um, again, if you want to ask me a question or uh, my team a question, we're, we're soon, I'm really hoping to have some of my team members uh, have conversations with me on podcast because uh, we've got a real smart bunch of SEOs here. And uh, uh, we're getting to the point now where uh, some of my team are learning things well beyond what I know in SEO, which is your goal as a business owner um, should be to raise up uh, colleagues that um, are smarter than you. So I, I love when I see that type of thing happen. So we'll, hopefully soon we'll um, have some of my team join me here so it's not just me babbling on every week. Um, this question comes from Zoe Larkin. Uh, Hi, Marie and team. I know you probably hear this from everyone that submits a question, but I'm a big fan. Well, first of all, thank you, Zoe. Uh, that just blows me away. Uh, Zoe says she's been listening every week for at least six months now. That's dedication, I'm telling you. Uh, Zoe, those words um, just really helped my day. So knowing that you're listening regularly and seeing the next part of your question about how well you're ranking, I'm hoping that um, some of my advice has helped you with those rankings because this is pretty cool. Zoe says, I'm a wedding photographer in San Francisco that has dominated the SERPs in my area, rising to the top for my desired terms. And I'll tell you, I did a Um, When I read this question, I did a few searches. I searched for wedding photographer in San Francisco and uh, wedding photographer in Bay Area, and I saw you ranking top three. Um, I think you were like behind the knot.com uh, for a couple of those queries. So that is really good because the knot is an extremely authoritative website. So, uh, so well done. So back to Zoe's questions here, question here. In June, I launched another website teaching creative business owners how to take charge of their SEO with the goal of eventually selling info products, downloads, templates, etc., I'm strongly considering scrapping the second website. So that's the website that sells SEO for photographers um, and moving all of my content to my primary domain. And that uh, would be um, the website that currently ranks really well for photography in San Francisco or wedding photography. She says, I'm realizing how much work it is to cite a start a site from scratch, have zero backlinks and negligible search traffic for weeks or months or longer, as it's a very competitive space compared with my local small business that I'm used to. I wanted to get your take on whether it's a terrible idea to have one website that already has 100 posts all about things to do with Bay Area weddings, now start talking in depth about SEO, digital marketing topics to a completely different audience. So the question here, I think if we summarize it, is uh, Zoe's got uh, a website that's doing really well in terms of wedding photography. And she's getting clients from it. Uh, she says later in her question that she's you know, she's doing really well. She's got a, a business that's thriving and it's ranking really well. And she wants to add a second business now um, to help sell SEO services. I'll tell you, this sounds really, really familiar. Um, when I first got into SEO, I started a website uh, to answer people's veterinary questions because I was a veterinarian for many, many years. And, um, And then I had this thought, you know, I mean, once you start doing SEO, it gets 
so addictive. You start seeing that, oh, like I did this thing on my website and it caused people to come to these pages. And then when those visitors actually translate into hard cash in your hand, it's extremely addictive. Um, and so I started thinking, you know, as much as I love being a veterinarian, which I truly did, there's a lot of things I miss about veterinary medicine, especially surgery. I, I, I loved uh, a full day of surgery was like my dream day. Um, but uh, there's a lot of things about veterinary medicine I don't miss as well, especially in um, this pandemic time. I can't imagine uh, the challenges of, of dealing with people with social distancing uh, and grieving people with their pets. It's, it's challenging. But enough about me. Let's talk about your, um, your photography site. Um, so... When, when I wanted, when I had a veterinary site, I had this idea that I was going to uh, create a, a website to teach SEO to veterinarians or to sell SEO to veterinarians. Turns out that most veterinarians are extremely, uh, I don't want to say cheap, but they don't have a big budget in terms of marketing. And uh, I went to my employer at the time and said like, hey, I want to do this thing for, and I can't remember how much I told him. I was like, it probably cost you about $500 a month or something, which we know now is pretty low in terms of um, offering consulting. Like if you're good at what you're doing, you should be charging way more than $500 a month. Uh, $500 a month for SEO, in my mind, kind of goes back to the old days where people would try to just uh, boost websites up by building spammy links using um, some type of automated tool or something. Uh, you know, you, you really can't do much for $500 a month. But at that time, I was like, all right, Let's offer this and let's see if I can get my boss to, you know, give me some extra work here. And, and he said his entire marketing budget for the whole year was about that much. Um, and, you know, they, I think they spent it on yellow pages or something like that or bus ads. Um, and so vets, uh, now granted, times have changed. That was, uh, that was quite a few years ago. But I had this thought, should I, um, if I do marketing for SEOs, I've already got a veterinary website. It was a veterinary advice website. It's still online if you want to find it now, but it's horrendous. Like, don't, don't judge it for SEO because I haven't actually done anything to it for quite a few years. And it's been interesting to watch it um, slowly decline in terms of quality updates uh, as I haven't updated any of the content in, in a long time. Um, but uh, the idea is very similar to yours, Zoe, in where um, I wanted to take this already ranking website and uh, add a new service to it uh, and, and make that into my SEO services. Now, uh, at that time, you know, I thought I was just going to do SEO for veterinarians, uh, and then look what happened. Like, here I am talking to you in this podcast and talking to, uh, uh, you know, having a newsletter that thousands of people read in terms of SEO. I had no way of predicting that I would be leaving my actual physical practice of veterinary medicine um, and uh, making, uh, you know, a, a website that was completely about SEO and a business all about SEO. In your case... I think what you need to do is look at your audience. And I think the audience is quite different for somebody who's looking for a photographer for their wedding as opposed to somebody who wants to do uh, SEO for wedding photography. Um, or even, I don't even know if your SEO was just for weddings, but um, who wants to learn about digital marketing. These are two completely different subjects. And I understand that you would like to rank uh, well on you know uh, things like Bay Area photography, uh, but I don't know that that's a search term that would bring the audience for the SEO website. You know, you have to think about which what the audience is going to be. Um, I think the way I see it is you really have three different options. One is to create a brand new site for your SEO services. Two is to create a, a page or maybe a subfolder on your current domain. And three is to create a subdomain um, on your current site. And to, to be honest, I don't know the answer. I think uh, this is not something that we could answer in just a 10-minute discussion, right? Uh, there has to be a lot of in-depth investigation happening. But I think that um, the way I would do it with what you've told me right now is actually to create a new site. And you're right, this new site will not rank for much. You need to build up EAT. But you're going to need to build up EAT in terms of SEO anyways. Um, you know, people are not going to hire you for SEO services just because uh, you're a good photographer. They need to see, does this person actually know what they're doing? 
Um, have they actually helped other people to rank their websites? Have they, uh, you know, is there any proof? Is there any reputation information online? Uh, all of the stuff that the quality raters guidelines talk about, um, I feel like you've been doing that for your uh, photography website, but uh, you need to probably build up EAT in terms of being an expert in SEO. That's a lot of uh, letters to say there. So I think, you know, there's a lot more that we could say on that. Um, I... I and then you, you had asked more questions about the hierarchy of your site and whatnot. I, and I, unfortunately, I don't have time to get into a, a big long answer on that. But I think what I would do is I wouldn't um, try to change your current site to make it like, oh, we do wedding photography and also uh, our main focus is on SEO. But it's, there's nothing wrong with adding sections on your current website. So I would still make your current website all about the things that currently bring you money, uh, the things that you want to rank for. Um, you know, if you're doing a great job at attracting people who are looking for a wedding photographer in your area, I wouldn't make significant changes at this time. Um, but there's nothing wrong with adding a section on your homepage that says, are you interested in SEO for photographers? And maybe just have one page right now on your website that talks about your SEO services. And then on that page, you can link to your SEO uh, website um, or to a subdomain. I think that would be my second choice. A subdomain would be very similar to uh, websites that have um, a shop connected with uh, their actual um, website. I don't know if this will confuse matters or not. I mean, we have a subdomain that is courses.mariehaines.com. And the idea was supposed to be for, uh, that was where I was going to sell veterinary, or veterinary SEO courses. Um, and now the newsletter lives on that domain. And I actually regret <laughs> that decision. Uh, I think it all should have been on the same domain. Uh, and we are making some changes right now, so that's going to be happening. So I don't know whether I confused you or not. But it's an interesting situation. And, and congrats for the rankings that you do have. Um, I do think you can get there uh, in terms of offering services, provided you're, you're doing a good job. But it sounds like you know what you're doing because uh, you've ranked well uh, on your website. So good luck with that. Um, and I think we'll do one more question here because uh, this is a really uh, a good question and a hard one to answer as well. Um, the question says, we are working on improving uh, the quality of our site. So we split the process into three parts. First, we migrated to a new website and this was updated technology, nothing major content wise. Second, we want to improve the content itself updating, deleting, 301-ing. Uh, this is something that we recommend on a regular basis, uh, looking through your content and figuring out, uh, you know what, this was valuable six years ago, but why do we even need this on our website now? And there's no links pointing to it. And there's a whole process that we use to figure out which content uh, is good to keep on your website and then which should be removed. Um, and uh, Flo goes on to say here, lastly, we want to link, uh, we want to clean our link profile by removing or disavowing some links. How should we space out these three steps so we would be able to tell if things go wrong, what the most likely cause is, or to confirm things were done right and we don't need to have another look? So this is really hard. If you want to make multiple changes to your website, ideally it's best to do them, like you said, one at a time and then see what the effects of those changes are. The problem though is that the effects may not be immediately obvious and as we know Google makes changes to their algorithms all the time and we see this happen very commonly where somebody will come to us and say like hey this core update happened and our rankings plummeted but also we completely changed our, uh, our site design and our content and we disavowed a bunch of links and at the same time and we don't know what the cause is uh, and that happens a lot. So um, if you have the luxury of time I think I think this is a great idea to do things one at a time. Um, I think, I mean, you've already done uh, the changes in terms of the structure of your site uh, and the migration, and that's probably the biggest thing that would cause problems. Uh, and so I think it's a really good idea to wait and see what happens now that you've, uh, you know, you've got your uh, 301s in place and your um, well, not necessarily for updating content, but uh, making sure that your old pages that are exactly the same are redirected to the exact same version on your, your new site. Um, you know, once you've done that, I would give that a few weeks to see how things look after this and hope that Google doesn't do a significant update in the meantime. It's unbelievable how often this happens. I, I guarantee you, once we get our new site ready, 
Google will push out an update like within days of that probably. And, uh, and then we'll go, oh, was this change, you know, because uh, maybe, for example, I've seen sites that like they didn't get the internal linking the same on their new site as it was on the old site. And that impacted their ability to, uh, to rank well. If you're going to see a negative effect um, from making changes in a site migration, in my experience, it happens very quickly. And I think that within a week or two, you should be really noticing whether uh, things have returned back to the way they were. And if they weren't, I wouldn't move forward with other changes until you investigate, like, why did that happen? Now, um, if drops happen, uh, we have a whole article on that on the switch to HTTPS. It's from a few years ago, but um, there's lots of things that I've outlined there as things that could happen if you're uh, switching to HTTPS or you're switching a, um, you're doing a, a site migration. Uh, I know you're not exactly switching to HTTPS, but this is very similar. Um, and so if two or three weeks have gone by and there really hasn't been any drop, I mean, hopefully you'd expect to see that things improve if you've made uh, nice changes to your website. But if you haven't seen any major changes, then I'd move on to the next step. The next, so the other two things you were talking about doing were um, uh, trimming out thin content is essentially what you're talking about, deleting old posts that aren't helpful, um, maybe beefing up content that uh, isn't as good as it used to be, or updating content that was relevant a few years ago but maybe needs to be updated now. Um, that's one thing. And the second thing you mentioned was uh, unnatural links and maybe cleaning up uh, some of those, doing filing a disavow. What do you do first? It really depends on the severity of those two problems. If you know, like if you have a history of maybe you hired an SEO company that made a whole bunch of links that you know Google's algorithms take issue with, like they're not natural recommendations for your website, um, they're uh, things that are totally there for SEO reasons, I'd probably focus on that first. Uh, if you do a disavow, it's very rare that you see negative effects. Maybe very rare is the wrong phrase. It's very rare for us to see negative effects. I have seen other people though, I mean, I've had people that disavowed based on some arbitrary metric and ended up disavowing uh, very good links. Um, so don't disavow based on domain authority or toolbar page rank or, you know, so, uh, like word count. I, I've seen bizarre things on how people decide which sites to disavow. Um, so as long as you're just disavowing uh, either ultra spammy websites, which probably don't need to be disavowed anyways, uh, or um, uh, websites where you drop the link in order to improve your SEO, as long as you're doing it right, you should not see a negative. Um, if you did see a negative, uh, assuming that maybe you've put some really good links in your disavow file, I've seen people that use like automated link auditing tools uh, that will tell them to disavow links from the BBC or the Guardian or like fantastic links like that. So let's say you had inadvertently disavowed a bunch of really good links. Then um, in our experience, the effects of that are very quick. Uh, those good links get crawled by Google relatively quickly. Um, and so as soon as Google crawls that site and they see your disavow file, they'll say, well, uh, or that page particularly that's linking to you, they'll say, well, they've asked us to not count this link anymore. Uh, and so we're not going to count this. And then you can lose the page rank that flowed through that link. So if you file a disavow incorrectly and it has hurt your site, I would imagine within a week or so that you see the effects of that. Um, conversely, though, if the disavow is going to help your site, it doesn't always happen super fast. Um, in our experience, it, it can take a couple of weeks. We usually say like two to six. <laughs> I know that's a very random number, but that's what we seem to see. And I think sometimes it depends on whether Google has run an update to their algorithms and changed something in how they assess link quality. Uh, Google's told us that core updates don't usually assess link quality. So, um, you know, one of the ways to determine whether, um, you know, if you see you file a disavow and then like a month and a half later, all of a sudden you start seeing improvements, uh, then I would take a look at our algo update list at mariehaines.com slash algo, A-L-G-O. And that'll tell you uh, if we've determined that a particular update seems to be connected to links or not. And that can be evidence that uh, your disavow had helped you. Um, and then in terms of cleaning up thin content, that's a tricky one too, because uh, again, there are ways to do it correctly. And we have seen people that have done it incorrectly as well. Um, but as long as you're not trimming out content that um, you know used to be super valuable, 
content that has a lot of links pointing to it, content that was very important in terms of internal links, you really shouldn't see a negative. Um, and the positive, uh, this is anecdotal, but I feel like the majority of sites that we've improved thin content on that have seen improvements, um, they see those improvements with a future core update. It seems to be that Google uh, assesses the entire quality of the site um, and that the effects of that, once you've trimmed out a bunch of thin content, may not be seen until they run a core update. And those tend to, Google announces those now. The last one was May of 2020. Um, and they tend to happen every few months or so. It wouldn't surprise me if we get another one soon. So hopefully that, that helps uh, answer your question. It was a really interesting question. We have loads of stuff that I cannot cover in podcast, uh, otherwise I'll lose my voice. Um, more information on the government update that we talked about in June of this year. Uh, Google's now got career certificates, which are really, really interesting. Um, nothing for SEO yet that I can see, but it wouldn't surprise me if that's on the, um, uh, on the horizon for Google. Uh, and we've got um, more than I can read here, more stuff, uh, really uh, great Twitter thread from Patrick Stocks on what you need to know if you're switching to HTTPS. Uh, great stuff from Bro Brody Clark on fixing CLS issues. Brody's really been doing great work uh, in that area lately. Um, yeah, and lots and lots of stuff. Oh, yeah, Rand Fishkin talked a little bit about um, some new information from Congress hearings about whether Google uses click-through rate as a ranking factor. And I know some of you sent that to me uh, knowing that I would want to talk about that. I always... When, when Google, uh, you know, when there's discussion about is this a ranking factor, of course we always want to dig into that. I'll tell you, um, I don't think there's much to this. I, I think click-through rate, Google has told us for a while that click-through rate is uh, something that they can use to analyze certain things, but I don't think it's a direct ranking factor. Um, and so sometimes what they can do is the, they talked in very, like long ago, they talked about the short click versus the long click. And uh, they can determine that if the majority of people click on this one result and then have a short click where they go back to Google to search again and end up on another website where now they have a long visit on that website, that can tell you that maybe the first website wasn't as relevant. Um, that is something that Google can use to determine whether the changes they made in their algorithms are actually helping, uh, whether people are spending more time on the first result that they click on or not. Um, but I don't think uh, click-through rate is a direct ranking factor. This is something we could go, I could probably talk for another hour on that topic. So uh, we'll leave it there though. I think, uh, I don't think we need a new discussion on that right now. I'm super excited to get home today because there's a big Fortnite update and uh, there are now cars in Fortnite that you can drive around. Sounds like a silly thing, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm going to be spending the rest of my week uh, working on some business stuff, writing an article. Uh, I'm writing a new article about what Google says about guest posting, content marketing, and uh, that type of link building. So that should be out soon. And I'm going to be digging in more to the updates that we think happened in July of uh of this year. Once again, thanks to our new sponsor, SEMrush.com. Uh, SEMrush, again, you can try the guru plan of SEMrush if you go to mariehaines.com slash SEMrush and you'll get a 30-day trial there. Thanks so much for listening and I wish you the best of luck with your rankings. Mm -hmm.